I didn't really get to hardly any of my points last week because I rambled a lot, so I'm going to try not to ramble today. I've got kind of one main point I want to focus on. And, uh, and it, it, it really started this morning. I, was, I, I get here early, and I try to kind of go through everything that I'm going to talk about and study a little bit in the morning. And I had to bring my kids this morning. Normally, I come separately from them, um, and they come after. Well, I had to bring the kids. So they came to the office and slept on the couch for a little while, but then got up and were all over the place and wrestling and upside down and everything. Um, but one of the things, any of you, how many of you guys have kids? Some of you guys have kids. Um, I don't know what it is, <laughs> um, but nothing is fair to them ever. Nothing is ever fair. And I mean, even this morning, I was literally studying about this specific subject, and they're fighting on, on room on the couch. She's got more room than me. She doesn't have enough room. She's got more room. She's taking the blanket, and they're fighting over that. And then they're fighting over uh, uh, the worship team. Uh, the Turners always bring uh, biscuits for the worship team and for everyone, and so they split the biscuit, and Kylie had a bigger piece. Of, she had a bigger piece of the biscuit than me. It's not fair. I wanted that half of the biscuit, and she took that half of the biscuit. It's always something that's not fair. I want, I want what I deserve, and I want, I want my half of the biscuit. And so they fight over that all the time, and they're so focused on that that they forget everything else. Like, they don't care that I'm studying. They don't care that you guys are dependent on me to give you something this morning. All they want is their biscuit, and they want their room on the couch, and that's it. And they're so focused on that that they don't care about anything else in the universe. Does anybody have kids like that? I also, this is a side note, doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about, don't ever suggest anything to your kids, ever, because they'll take it as though it's a fact and it's the law and it's going to happen in like 10 minutes. Anytime I've ever suggested anything to my kids, they will drive me nuts for a month when I don't even remember what I said. Side note, don't, don't ever make suggestions to your kids. Anyway, so in studying, that was, that was what I realized this morning, but in studying this, I was, I was looking at, uh, I'll be in Luke, and I'm going to get two versions. I'm going to start with the Holman version, then I'll go to the message. And the more I read the message version, the more I realize that it's not just a cool new way to read it, but Eugene Peterson actually went back and did tons of research to really see how it was written in the Greek and the Hebrew and to put it in a way that we can understand it. And the more that I read the Message Bible, the more I'm really enjoying it. It's really, really good. And, and the, the way Eugene Peterson wrote it is very rich. Now, I like other versions too. And I'm a little spoiled. I, I bring a Bible up here, but most of the time I print it out because I've got, all, I've got access to all the different versions on the computer. And so I'm a little spoiled to be able to look at all of those. And so I'm always scared that I get up here without a Bible. People are going to be like, what are you teaching us? So I always have a Bible just in case. I can always go back to just the, that, that one version of the Scriptures. But um, I'm going to be in Holman. This is Luke 12, 13. And, uh, and Jesus is basically in the middle of a speech. He's teaching. And uh, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide up the inheritance with me. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, is, <laughs> is on earth. And he's teaching about kingdom principles. He's teaching about all these great things, and this one random dude, hey, Jesus, my brother has all of our inheritance, and I want half. I need half of that. Like, he's completely interrupted this whole thing because he wants half of, an inherit- half of his inheritance. And what Jesus does is, is, is pretty entertaining to me, but he says, friend, who appointed me a judge or arbit- arbitrator over to you? He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not about the abundance of his possessions. Now, this is something that Jesus does a lot is he takes, um, he takes something that we want to know about and he tells us something we really need to know about. Basically, we think we know what we want and he tells us what we need. Sorry. Verse 16, he says, then he told them a parable, of course. He tells them a story. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I, have, since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. 
Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. In verse 22 it says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear, for life is more important than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, a very common bird. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? That's a rhetorical question. He's, he's saying you are worth much more than the birds. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor, spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Tell him. Tell him what I said. <laughs> Give him some puzzle pieces. <laughs> so, uh, you of little faith. Verse 29, don't keep striving. Listen to the wording here. Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink. Don't be anxious. Everybody say, don't be anxious. We could, I think we could all use a little bit of that. Don't be anxious for the gentle, for the gentle, listen to me, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid. Everyone say, don't be afraid. Especially Chris. Say, don't be afraid, Chris. I'm just kidding. Chris hates repeating stuff. <laughs> don't be afraid. Listen to the wording he uses. Don't be afraid, little flock. These are intimate terms. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Now, what's interesting is early he says, yeah, early he says, oh, I love that. Earlier he's, he's really getting on the Pharisees. He's going on, a t on a, just a kind of a rant for the Pharisees because he says, you shut the kingdom up and you yourselves won't enter it and you won't let anybody else enter it. And I was telling him, look, my father delights to give you the kingdom. What a contrast. And I love, I was reading that this morning too that I'm not going to talk about, but if you go find it um, when, he's, when he's really getting onto the Pharisees, they're like, don't you realize that you're offending us? In Eugene Peterson's version, he's like, yes, and I'm going to continue to offend you. And he keeps on going, you shut the kingdom up, and you yourselves won't enter it, and you won't let anybody else in it. But here's, look at the contrast here. Because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make treasure for yourself that won't grow old. Listen, won't, won't, what won't grow old? Something eternal, right? What have we been talking about eternal? Eternal starts when you're born again. Eternal's not just when you die and beyond. Eternity starts the moment that you're born again. That's eternity. It's not quantity of life. It's the quality of life. It's Zoe life. God breathed life. Eternity. So store for yourself treasures. Make treasures for yourselves that won't grow old. Eternal treasures is what he's saying. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now what's interesting is we talked a little bit last week about how much um, focus... We, and I hate to use um, our Western mindset or our American way of thinking because I love America. I'm glad I live here, and I'm, it's not that I'm anti-patriotic at all. But we have to look at things from a kingdom perspective, even above that. It doesn't mean that I don't love America and I'm, I'm not patriotic. It just means even above that, I'm kingdom-minded, and we should be kingdom-minded. So there's a little bit difference. There's a pretty dramatic difference in kingdom theology and American theology. We, and in 
I'm just as guilty as you are. We get caught up in these systems. I want my kids to get the best education that we can possibly give them. I want them to have good jobs and be able to, to live and support themselves. And I want good things for them. That's not bad. But we can get caught in these ruts of what success is and what success looks like. Now, kingdom success looks different than uh, worldly or even our Western success. And what I find is we focus on natural things a lot more than we do on spiritual things. And unfortunately, we, we write it off as it's, well, it's a natural disposition because we're in the physical now. But if we, if we do see things, the metanoia, the repentance, if we do change the way we see things and we see this eternity, this um, divinity crashing into humanity right now, we begin to see things differently, right? We begin to see people differently. Now, what happens is it's, it's like putting on, putting on like 3D glasses and seeing a 3D movie. Um, you begin to see different dimensions. You begin to see different things. And so when you look at people, you don't look at them in more of a self-centered way. What can they do for me? You begin to see them the way God sees them. How can I, what can I do for you? A father's view. Because when we're adopted as sons, just like we were singing, his blood runs through our veins. What does that mean? It means that when we see people, we can pray for them. We can love them. Not because we've worked up enough um, of our own boldness. It's because Christ does it through us. We're willing vessels, right? So we say, here I am. Use me. I, I told you all last week, too, that, that I heard a pastor say, uh, uh, I, you know, he was being called into ministry. He's like, no, I need to get this stuff. I need to get this stuff together. I need to go through seminary. And God said, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I need you right now. This is where we are, and, and I really feel like that vision this morning really, really connected that for me, um, and I don't get visions all the time, but it was very distinct in the whole explosion of the puzzle pieces. I think that that, that whole, the, our preconception of revival, um, some of us have some negative connotations with that, and we've had different experiences, but when I think of revival, it's not that way. It's us being willing to be vessels to pour out Christ's love to people. And so... I'm, I'm, as we go through this, I'm going to continue to ask you guys to be more outward focused, even in our services in here. So when we have guests, we've had visitors come in, we've got new people that come in. I'm going to encourage you and expect you to be pouring out your love and, and looking for people that you can care for and that you can help. And I know many of you guys already do that. I'm just reminding you guys of who you are. The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is I don't have to convince you of anything. When, when I begin to speak truth, if I speak the truth from Scripture, it's going to rise up in you. It'll quicken in you because it's already there. It, it's written into your DNA. So when you begin to hear things and you say, oh, man, that's good. It's not me. It's, it's the Holy Spirit in you saying, I agree with that because that's good. That's a good word. So when we get into this, what Jesus is doing is this, this, this guy is saying, hey, I'm concerned about my well-being. I need to eat. I need to buy a house. I need a car. I need these things. And my brother has all of my money. What are you going to do about it? What's funny is Jesus, Jesus says, who am I, some kind of judge? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you? But what he's doing is identifying why he came. He didn't come to judge, but he came to save. He came to save us. The only judgment he pronounced was on the cross. He, he took care of that completely. Now, what's interesting is we... We're quick to, to realize and understand that he took our sin away, but sometimes it's hard for us to realize that now we're righteous. He didn't just take something away, but he gave us something. He gave us his righteousness. And so when we, when we look at it this way, it changes our mindset, and we begin to think, now I'm not saying go sell everything you have and give it all to the poor, but what he's saying is change the way you see things. Don't look at money as where, what, what ties you, what what really you're enslaved to is what it ends up being. And I, I spoke to the youth about it a couple weeks ago. 
if you, you find your value in money, when you don't have it, you have no more value, right? If you find your value in people's opinions of you, if their opinions change, then you, your value changes, right? But when you find your value in God and who he says you is, which is the truth ultimately, then none of that stuff doesn't affect you. We sang about um, dancing on disappointment. Your circumstances don't control who you are. You begin to change your circumstances. So now when you walk into a room, people aren't affecting you as much. You begin affecting them. It changes the whole room. Listen, there, I've read stories and stories and stories of these people that would go out and they would just walk into a room and the whole atmosphere would change. People begin to get saved and they wouldn't say a word. It was just that presence that was on them. It was the Holy Spirit that was in them. We, I feel like, for too long in the church have put so much emphasis on performance that we've gotten caught in that, that we have to do, we have to do, we have to do, we have to do. When if, if we'll just be willing to open our hands to receive and open our hands to give, it's much simpler than we thought. This overarching theme of love that we've continued to, I, I continue to talk about drives everything else that we do. And we have to have those open hands. We had a guy come this morning. I was here by myself, and he came in and wanted some money, and, and I, didn't have, I didn't think I had any cash on me. And I said, well, I don't have any cash on me. I was here by myself, and had the kids were sleeping in the, in the room, and I was like, ah. And uh, I said, come back in a couple hours. And I said, we'll have our worship team here. They'll give you some money. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. But I said, just come back in a couple hours. And anyway, I came back in a couple hours. And by that time, I realized I did. I had, a few, I had some money. I had toll money in my truck that I keep because I travel. And, uh, and also some, some others in here gave him some money too. And we, we just blessed him. And what's cool about that is um, it, it was exactly what we're talking about here. Now, I don't know if he was being truthful or, or whatever. But we got a chance to pray for him. And it was cool. We got a chance to pray for him and talk to him. And long after that money's spent, that prayer is going to be with him. Long after, whether he's good, bad, or, or whatever, um, that, that moment was, was, I feel like, was, a, was a, just a divine appointment and, and goes right along with what we're talking about here. We can write that stuff off as, oh, you know, he was in probably a newer van than, than we have, you know what I mean? Or he was, you know, we can, we can make excuses of why we don't do things, or we can just listen and say, okay, what, what difference does it make to me? It's just money. And he even says that here. What, we worry and we have anxiety. How many of you guys have ever struggled with anxiety? Listen, I'm a father. I know. I think about the future and my kids and college and cars and things that we're going to have to, we want to be there for them and do things for them. But listen, above anything, I want to explain to them, and this is, this is <laughs> I try to explain everything I can to my kids, and I want them to find their value in the Lord. And I want to do it in a way that they understand it. Now, one of my, I don't know if I told you this before, but uh, Kylie, my middle daughter, um, she has a phone, but it's not hooked up. It's like an iPod, but it's, it's like a phone. She calls it a phone. She pretends like she's talking on it. She thinks it's really cool. Um, but I jokingly, but kind of seriously, tell them that there's no selfies, that our house is a no-selfie zone. You can't take any selfies. No selfies. And only because it's annoying, because I see a lot of, like, duck face peace sign. And, and I'm, not judging, don't, I'm not judging anybody. But, <laughs> and everybody's going, oh, geez. But I just, the reason I do that for them is I want them to know that they're valued, not just because, you know, one day they're probably going to have an Instagram or whatever, social media. And I don't want them to value themselves on the amount of likes that they get and, and the, amount of, the amount of opinions of people. I want them to know who they are in the Lord and be bold in that. Now, at the same time, I, she came up to me. This is a funny story. She came up to me and, and she said, Daddy, and we were talking about something else, about phones. And, and she said, Daddy, I need to tell you something. She was real serious. And I was like, wrong she said I just need to tell you something I said what she said I have two selfies on my phone <laughs> and I was like 
really? She said, yes. She said, but I'll delete them if you want me to. I said, no, it's okay. I said, you can have selfies. She's, she was being sweet. <laughs> she's not always sweet, but she was being sweet right there. <laughs> she's pretty rambunctious most of the time and defiant. But uh, <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah. But I said, look, I said, it's okay if you take selfies. I re- it's really not that big of a deal. Most of the time I'm joking. I said, I just, I want you to know. It was a good opportunity for Teller. So I just want you to know that you're valued regardless of the way that you look. And I don't want you to think that you have to look a certain way and be real self-consumed with the way that you look. Does that make sense? And so I want them to know who they are and that their value isn't based on outside things, that they, that they have the God who loves them right there with them. And so... In the same way, it, it takes time because that, that was one instance. I'm not going to tell you about all the other instances that were much more frustrating. Um, but it takes time for us to be almost unprogrammed. Does that make sense? Because when you live this life where we are, you, you fall into these, these little traps. And the, man, the enemy is very intelligent and will mimic good things. They look very good on the surface. And all they are is um, shortcuts to try to get something that God already has for you in the future. Um, and we've talked about sin is, sin is a trust problem. It's not a behavioral problem. It's a trust problem. It's saying that God's not going to provide these things for me, so I'm going to get them myself. I'm going I'm I'm to find my own way. And I see how it works for other people, so I'm going to try that. Even if it's, even if it's not right, I'm going to try this way because I see that it works for other people. So the whole repentance thing is not feel bad about your sin. It's change the way you think about everything. Everything that you do. And so when you, when you evaluate your finances, everything like that, and I, I've talked to several of you guys about it because we've, we've had issues with finances and different things to do. We want to make good financial decisions the best that we can, but at the same time, we want to keep our hands open so that we can give. We want to be able to, to give people things as much as we can. Um, and that's not, that's not the, the typical American way is to get everything you can and be as successful as possible. Um, but the interesting thing is, as much emphasis as we put on money, money doesn't pass into eternity. There's no, there's no U-Hauls behind, <laughs> behind hearses. Um, there, there's, there's nothing that you can take with you. Um, and so when, when we look at this eternal perspective, once again, it's not after you die. It's as soon as you're born again. And David and I had a good conversation the other day about it about how God sees everything. And I've always seen this. I always thought I was so brilliant because I, could under, I, I thought I could understand it as clearly, but he kind of blew my mind with this too, is we see things from beginning to end, um, and we're very finite. And I know that God sees it all together, but we also see things, and this is something I never thought about that David brought to mind, was we, th- we, we see things, we see things um, in chronological order where God doesn't necessarily see that. So in the same way, he was saying, well, what if the cross, since everything is Christ-centered, created past and future? I thought, wow, that's really cool. Because we see things that, okay, the beginning, then all these things happen, then the cross, and then here, which is all that happened. But since everything's Christ-centered, what if it was the cross and God created everything past? Because he sees our end from our beginning, remember? He calls us a bird before we can fly, right? You don't have to be flying. He says, you're a bird right now. He calls our end from our beginning. Fruit trees, if you're not producing fruit yet, doesn't mean you're not a fruit tree. You're a fruit tree. God calls our end from our beginning. He knows who you are because he created you. So in the same way, I thought that was interesting. He sees everything all at once. Eternity is all at once. So in the same way, running parallel to our time and space that we're, we're in, there's this uh, almost upside down, there's this other, other place that's going on that we, can, we, has a, we have available to us now through the Holy Spirit. So anyway, all right, 
I'm going to read the message version of this. It's really cool. Uh, I love this version, and there's some really, really colorful wording here, and it really brings this to life in me, and I think it'll do the same thing to you. This is the same, same verses, Luke 12, 13. It says, Someone out of the crowd said, Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. This is the rude guy interrupting Jesus. He replied, Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on, Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not determined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Now he's saying this, Be careful because greed can, can, can sneak in. And he's saying it's aggressive because he's saying take caution. This, this can sneak in and you don't even realize it. Then he told them this story. The, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> you've done well. You've got it made. And can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. (laughs) You fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Now stop here and think about this. Who is this guy talking to? Himself. He has no one to give it to. He's been so self-centered and so focused on himself He's talking to himself. Hey, self, what am I going to do? I've got so much stuff. Let's build bigger barns so we can put all our stuff in barns. Wait, our stuff? My stuff. It's just me. (laughs) I'm the only one here. And then he's gone. Listen, life is a vapor. Boom. We don't know. We talked about last week. We think we're safe. We deadbolt our doors, and we don't swim where there's alligators, and we don't chase sharks. (laughs) But we drive on the interstate with a mechanical car that could fail at any time at 80 miles an hour. And we don't, we don't fully understand our organs. They could just stop. That's not encouraging. We could just stop at any time. But we have this false sense of security, we think. We deadbolt our door. Listen, somebody could bust the, If they want to get in your house, they can get in your house. I'll be honest with you. If somebody wants to get in there, your deadbolt's not really protecting that much. Now, I'm not saying I don't lock my doors. Lock my doors. But I'm just saying we have a false sense of security because we see things from, from a, sometimes we see things from a very limited perspective. We have to change our perspective on things. Verse 21, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Now, I love the, the title of the rest of this in the Eugene Peterson's version. The message says, Steep Yourself in God Reality. Man, that's good. He continued this subject with his disciples. So he turns and looks at his disciples. Okay, he's going to talk to them about it. Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or if the clothes in your closet aren't in fashion, there is far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the ravens, free and unfettered. <laughs> unfettered, that's a neat word. Not tied down to a job description, carefree in the care of God, and you count far more. Has anyone by fussing before in the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? If fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? I love that. <laughs> I, that transcends over into the money, too. I heard, uh, who, did, uh, who was talking about it? it was, uh, Judah Smith was talking about his dad told him, if you've got $700 worth of bills and you only have $500, why not give away the $500 because you can't pay your bills anyway? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but he said, if, <laughs> that doesn't make sense in our, in our way of thinking. But he says, uh, 
Yeah, is anyone by fussing ever, <laughs> before the mirror ever gotten any taller by, by even an inch? If fussing can't even do that, why fuss at all? Walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They don't fuss. <laughs> they don't fuss with their appearance. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the wildflowers, most of them never, never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. <laughs> Not be so preoccupied with getting. Listen to the wording here. So that you can respond to God's giving. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so you cannot respond to God's giving. Now this is what we're talking about here. This is the open hands thing. Don't be so preoccupied with getting things that you can't see that God's giving them to you. That they're not yours to begin with so that you can give them back away. We get preoccupied, get, 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 get. We need to make sure we have, 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 and we're safe and we're secure. You're not safe. The only thing God promises you is eternal security. Eternal security. You're not going to make it out of this physical world alive. You're not going to make it. But eternally, he gives us security. And he gives us boldness, and that transcends into this life. And that's what's so amazing about it. So don't be preoccupied with getting so, that you, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Man, that's good. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. He delights to give you his kingdom. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. <laughs> That's good. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Listen, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to have a lot of really cool things and build more sheds to store all the really cool things that I have. Tracy and I were toying. Uh, I went to pick the kids up from Dolphin Island the other day, and I told her, I said, let's just sell our house and get like a little apartment on Dolphin Island or something so our kids go to school down there. Because there's so much, so much stuff. I've got stuff I've got to keep up and lawnmowers and limbs falling. and We build these sheds so we can keep our stuff and four-wheeler and jet skis and Listen, I want to encourage you today. Be steeped in God reality. I don't have to convince you of the truth, but when you look for it and you and you're open to it, it'll find you. The Holy Spirit will pierce right through you and he will change you. All we have to do is receive it. That's the great thing about grace. We don't earn it. We don't fight for it. it. Even says right here, you don't strive. Don't stop striving for things. Open your arms and receive them, so that you can give them back out. The whole R and D thing, receive and distribute. For some reason, the church got caught in this name it claim it, and that's all self centered. Name this, and it's mine. This is mine. I name it because Scripture says, and I'm gonna back God in a corner because He owes me something. It's not about us. If there's anything I can teach my kids is they need to be givers. Everything that we do, we need to give. It's not always about money. 
I talk about money because we all need money and we all have money. That's an easy subject, but it's not always about money. There's no substitute for time. We went to the movies yesterday, and we get so focused on things sometimes, and that's what's, we don't look at the bigger picture. We get so focused on what's going on in our lives, and we, and we zone in on it. We went to the movies yesterday. We saw the new Bourne movie. Some of the guys went. And if any of you, have any of you seen any of the Bourne movies? Apparently, there's a, <laughs> there's a sign-up sheet for the cameramen in Bourne movies, and the, the two things you have to be is extremely unstable, and you have to be able to zoom in really good. Because <laughs> the whole movie is like... It's like, I think he punched him. I'm not sure. I don't know where he is. And so it's just really shaky. And I'm like, there's his eye. Wait, nope, there he goes. Yep, he's dead. And so it's, it's a really, for some reason, the whole movie is zoomed way in and moving around. And, I, and Bill Starling, Bill Starling, oh, that's a camera trick, and they do that because they don't have to do as much choreography. And I was like, ah, they cheated. But there's something about being zoomed in. You miss the bigger picture of what's going on. In the same way, I remember, uh, <laughs> this is funny, I just thought about this. I was so focused one time, I used this in youth one night, so focused one time building a, uh, a model. I think it was an aircraft carrier when I was a kid. I used to build little plastic models. And it was, it was one I'd saved up for because it was a bigger one with a lot of little planes. And it was very intricate. And I spent hours and hours trying to put this thing together. And the glue would not set. And I had a brand new tube of glue. And it would not set up. And this whole thing continues just to go, <laughs> like, I'll put it back together. I've got to keep it together. Please stay together. <sighs> Probably my room getting high on this. Please stay together. Please stay together. And finally, I was just really frustrated. And I unrolled. I'd used the whole tube of glue trying to get this thing. And I unrolled. And in big letters, it said, model glue. And in little bitty letters below it, it said, remover. (laughs) Oh, my God. I ruined my whole model (laughs) with, with model glue remover. I was very frustrated. But I was so focused on what I was doing, I didn't take time to look at the actual packaging and see that I was using model glue remover. But we do that. We get focused sometimes so much on ourselves and our own things, and we miss the bigger picture. We miss, we miss what's going on all around us, right? This is what happens when we begin to get self-centered and self-righteous. And here's what's funny about that is you can, you can, you can be self-righteous by complaining too, by saying I'm not good enough. And basically calling God a liar because he died for you to be righteous. So when you begin to say, I'm not righteous enough and I'm not good enough and, and, and this is not good. And I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and gosh darn it, people like me. I'm talking about believing the truth, the truth about what God says about you. And God says, you are worth sending my son to die for you. And it's self-righteousness that says, I'm not good enough. It's saying that it's almost this, this pity party and all it is is believing all the enemy's lies. And we can be self-righteous in that way too, not just the, the, the pharisaical way, which we see a lot in churches, but in the way that we can begin to have this pity party about how sad we are and how bad we have it. Listen, you've got it better than most people in the world, trust me. But even better than that, you've been made righteous. That's a celebration. Now, I love coming to church on Sundays. I look forward to it. Like, this is fun. It's a celebration of how righteous we are. We didn't deserve it, but we got it anyway. We got in on this. We weren't even Jewish he was like, oh, I want to give it to the Gentiles too. I mean, how awesome is this? This is a good news. This is a celebration. And so when we, t- when we take our minds off of ourselves and self-righteousness and, and self-centeredness, and we begin to open our hands and receive what God has for us, we're not the ones in the back going, hey, hey, hey. 
And imagine that, imagine that guy inherited $50,000. Okay, and then he gets his $25,000. And then after taxes, it's like probably $2,000. But, <laughs> but, then, but then he goes and spends it. Well, then what? Is he happy? Do you think that, do you think that brings fulfillment in him? That's why, that's why God says, okay, or, or Jesus in this instance, he goes, okay, you're telling me what you want, but I'm going to tell you what you need. We do the same thing. God, please just, just let me pay off my mortgage. <laughs> I, I prayed that. I'm not going to lie. God, just let me pray off my mortgage, or, or let, me, let me just get ahead. Let me get a, a couple notes ahead on this, or let me, it seems like we're always two steps behind. God, let me just, and the more I do that, the more I think, wait a minute, it's not about me. It's not about my stuff and about this stuff. Why am I praying all about me all the time? It's not about me. So we've got to get, we've got to get a shift in our mindset as a whole. We t- we've talked about communion, our common union. We have to have a shift in our mentality when people come into this place. And I tell you, I haven't, we haven't promoted anything any differently. Um, we haven't done anything any differently. But we've had an influx, if you guys have seen, of visitors coming. I happened to get a notification from Facebook. And I went on the website and looked. And we've got stats on the website, too. And we've got a sudden peak in interest in the website and the Facebook pages that I had nothing to do with. I haven't really promoted anything. And I haven't really been keeping up with it as much as I should. But I'm telling you, when people come in our doors, we, we have to show them that love. I mean, that's, that's who we are. And this is not something I'm telling you you have to do. I'm telling you that's who you are, and you're going to be happy when you do it. I'm serious. This is the way, this is the way Jesus, is, is, I feel like, is speaking to me to tell you guys. This is where you're going to find fulfillment. It's not just in this church. This is what's cool about this. Church is not, you're the church. <laughs> this is a building. This is a place we come to celebrate our freedom and our, celebrate our love and our joy. And we invite other people to be involved in it. But you're the church when you leave this place. You're the church when you're having coffee with someone, when you're going to see a movie and you're hanging out with people, and when you're doing things and when you pray for those people, and when you are just there to listen to them when they have problems. There's no substitute for that. There's no powerful message or, or, or convincing that me or any one of you could do that's going to substitute time and, and true caring and loving for people. There's no substitute for that. So I speak that truth into you because I want you to be happy. I mean, I do. I want you to see real fulfillment, not just temporary things. It's like bucketfuls. I remember when I got saved, that was the best way I could describe it because I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I wasn't looking for the Lord at all. He chased me down. I remember people asking me, oh, Jared, my friend Jarrett, who was witnessing to me at the time, who was just spending time with me, he just hung out with me for about a year and a half, basically. He didn't try to condemn me or convince me that his way was right. He just hung out with me and got to know me. And they were like, oh, Jarrett got a hold of you. I was like, no, something else did. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's much better than what I had before. And I would explain it. They would say, well, what do you mean? And I would say, well, I feel like I was filling up little bucketfuls, little bucketfuls, and I could never keep it full, but I don't have to fill them up anymore. Christ did that for me. Guys, stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. This is, this is the calling on all of our lives. We all have specific secondary purposes, but our primary purpose is the same. We've talked about this before. You will never be really fulfilled until you walk in his purpose for your life. And that's to love him and love people. And it's as simple as that. Now, we can dive into it, and that's what's cool about our small groups is we can dive into that. And some of you guys are, are more prophetic, and some of you guys see more vision. Some of you guys just love to just study Scripture and just see where that goes and where that leads and see the deeper levels of what's going on. And, and some of you guys just like to exercise, and some of you guys like to do this. There's different groups that we can get together, and we can dive into that more. But the overarching theme here is love. 
It's always going to be that here. As long as I'm here, it's going to be the overarching theme, and that's going to be the identifying factor. We talked about this morning. I don't know how people end up coming here, uh, especially in the mornings we'll come here because they need money or they need something. And we're probably the, the most broke church on the block. But people will come here for money, and we give them money. I mean, we, we love them, we pray for them, and we, give, we don't have much, but we give them money. Or we'll go down. Uh, there happened a couple Wednesday nights ago or whatever. Um, we'll go down, and we'll, we'll put gas in their car. If we don't have cash, we'll, we'll use debit card and put gas. need gas? That's fine. You need food? We'll give you a biscuit. I mean, we don't have much. You want a breakfast burrito? I mean, we don't have much. But, but we, I'm so thankful. I'm, uh, I'm trying not to cry. I'm so thankful for you guys. I mean, I really am. Because this, this has been an incredible journey. We've been doing this about six months. And things are beginning to ramp up. And things are changing. Things are happening. And I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so encouraged by you guys. And you guys are the church. You are the church. Don't, don't put too much on me, man. I will fail you eventually. <laughs> I don't want to. But I'm just saying... I can't carry that by myself. And you guys have been and continue to help and carry this church. And I appreciate it so much. You don't know what it means to me. From the air condition to just every little detail that we go in here, man. You guys are awesome. So I just want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this awesome group of people, Father. Um, I just pray for more blessings, Father. It's, it's just, just more and not blessings that we just get a bunch of money, even though we'll take it. <laughs> but blessings that we do see that we are full in you. That you fill everything in every way. Yes. Father, that every little piece of our lives, that you see it, Father. That when, we, when we're, we're that guy, oh, what about our inheritance, Father? You see right where you are. We go, okay, I see you. I love you. Listen, little flock. Listen, son. I see you. But listen. I know what you need, and it's not that $25,000 that your brother has. It's much, much more. I have better things for you. Thank you, Father, that you have better things for us. Thank you that you show us that every day. Father, seal that in our hearts when we leave this place. That same vision, Father, I, I see of, of that, those puzzle pieces coming together in our lives, Father, and we're solid so when we go out of this place, we can explode with your love and your caring and your, and your generosity. Father, we have our open hands and we're open vessels. We're not, we're not working for it. We, we didn't deserve it, Father, but we're willing. We're willing vessels, and we will pour out your love to anybody you point us to. Father, thank you. As you're already going before us, prepare people to just just build us up, Father, and we prepare people that we can just build up in their lives, Father. Prepare those divine appointments. Let your eternity crash into our finite lives right now. Thank you for Zoe life, for God-breathed life, for real life. Don't let us be tricked and deceived. That's all the enemy has is deception. Don't let us be deceived into what we're not. Continue to show us what we are, and the truth about us is what you say about us. We are your sons and daughters, and we will leave this place and spread that word. In Jesus' holy name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Love you guys.